Hold up, hold up. Hello, Tile Friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Tile Money Podcast. My name is Luke Miller, your host, and today we've got a, a great episode for you. I'm very excited to introduce my friend Drake Vant Hull. Drake Vant Hull is a CEO and the owner of um, Performance Financial LLC. He is a, um, a financial expert. He's somebody who's been an entrepreneur his whole life. In fact, he put himself through college being an entrepreneur. So we did a little business gut check for all you listeners. Um, it's about, you know, already almost approaching the fourth quarter and it's time to start thinking about, yeah, end of the year, tax preparation and things like that. But how have you been doing so far? It's, it's always good to keep an eye on this. So I think you'll enjoy this episode where we discussed certain things you should be looking out for. And Drake's somebody who you're going to be seeing um, more of on the Tile Money podcast. You know, he's going to come on here. He's going to do some short videos with me, some long videos. And he's also going to be uh, coming into the mastermind once a month. That's right. All you mastermind members, once a month, he's going to be in there. And we'll have that one day, that one meeting dedicated to financial talk. I, I realize that, uh, you know, one of the big things that my audience has a question on is financials. And so I went to work and I interviewed a lot of um, CPAs and bookkeepers and I wanted the combined um, firm that did both. And I found Drake after having multiple, multiple interviews and I've uh, really narrowed it down to Drake and I'm really happy to be working with him in this manner to provide you with a little more hands-on. Those of you who want to hire him, if not, he's got some great advice he's giving away for free. So I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. Once again, this is the podcast that is strengthening the tile industry with our weekly business education designed for, for contractors by an, uh, a retired contractor myself. And we have uh, interviews weekly. You can subscribe on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, and you might want to subscribe to our weekly um, YouTube as well as our podcast because now we're putting out daily content where we actually have five days of content. So go check it out. If you haven't haven't visited us over there, you might want to check it out. So all right, enough of yapping. Uh, thanks for your time, and let's get to the interview. I know you're going to find this very valuable, especially if you're a business owner and maybe you're wondering how the books are really looking. How are you, Drake? Good, dude. Really well, doing really well. Uh, just got back from Arizona, so it feels kind of good to be back in the Midwest. It was hot in Phoenix, dude. So let I me bet. tell you, it was it was feels nice to be back in 80 degree weather from uh, about 115. So. Ooh, yeah, that's hot. That's hot. That's, yeah. jo- that's about as hot as it gets, I think, on this earth. <laughs> it's not very fun to be out there very long. So right. yeah, doing I, good. Excited to be on here today. So what did you do out in Phoenix, man? You get up to some golfing or what? Yeah. So my brother, uh, it was his bachelor party. We actually went up to Flagstaff. Um, and so from Phoenix to Flagstaff, that's about two and a half hours away. And it was about 40 degree temperature difference. So we left Phoenix. It was about 116 and we got to Flagstaff. It was the low eighties, high seventies. So right. uh, he's big into disc golfing. So there were some disc golfing courses. And then actually we golfed yesterday in Phoenix. So had a good time getting away for a little bit. Right on. That sounds real nice. Nice. Yeah. Good, good bonding time. And yeah, Flagstaff's gorgeous up there. You know, that's, that's definitely the place. You want to be Loved in it. July. And <laughs> yes, that was perfect. So, 
Well, listen, Drake, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us, you know, your full name, um, where you're from. You, I guess you already did. Um, and, and then, you know, maybe a little bit of your background and how, how you got into, you know, financial side of the business. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Drake Vintal. Uh, I own Performance Financial. We're a, a remote CPA firm out of, located in Des Moines, Iowa, but we work with uh, customers all across the United States. So right now I have customers from Maine to California and everywhere kind of in between. But graduated in 2016 um, from a small college in Northwest Iowa. And my wife and I moved down to Des Moines for our first jobs. Um, started working for a large, pretty large regional CPA firm. We had about 600 employees. And I was working on customers anywhere from, you know, startup businesses to a billion a year in revenue. Um, and I first started really focusing on the tax side, moved more into the audit and consulting type roles. And then, you know, 2020, everybody knows COVID happened. And um, what I saw was our company kind of said, hey, if you're not paying us 25 grand a year or more, see ya. And we kicked out a bunch of our smaller clients. And where I was really passionate was working with some of those smaller clients where I had a direct relationship with the owner. And when I say smaller, I mean, you know, probably under 15 million in revenue a year. Um, and so otherwise, when you're working with the really big ones, you're working with their whole accounting department to save the owner who makes 10 million bucks a year, a million bucks in taxes. I never saw how that benefited them. Um, you just worked with their CFO or their controller, whoever they had working there. And they didn't care that you saved them that money. It was just part of their daily job. So yeah. where I was really passionate and saw a big opportunity in the market is, you know, these big companies are just getting rid of clients like crazy. And I'm like, there's small businesses out there that need good advice. So I was passionate about working with contractors, um, jumped right in and, and helped a lot of people get some of that PPP money, um, helped kind of just build out and give people advice that weren't able to go get it somewhere else or people were pushing them away. So that's what I'm really passionate about is, is helping small business owners succeed um, and providing good advice there. So a little other background, I actually own, I don't know if you can see this logo, um, it's an ice fishing company out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. We make like a go-kart for ice fishing called Ice Auger Machines. And then uh, within the past two months, I started my third business, um, it's called All Tapped Out. It's a beer trailer rental business. So it's got a trailer with the taps on the outside. Um, we bring those around to different events, weddings, and things like that for people to rent and serve beer from or whatever cold drink they would like. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Those are uh, a couple of unique businesses. They're, they're very niched, you know. Um, they're very niche businesses. I was at uh, actually a, uh, a tile event in Wisconsin, I think about two years ago, and they had one of those beer trailers. Okay, yeah. Um, the trailer, something was wrong with the trailer, so the guy had a second trailer that was like on a motorcycle or something like that, and it just had one keg, you know, one okay. or two kegs. Yep. He had the, the big van or the trailer, I forget, but it was, you know, maybe he had six kegs on the big van. Well, this yep. little guy was, was really, it was like one of those little European cars, or I, I, I forget if it was a motorcycle or one of those little funny circus cars. Yeah, right. Thing. That was pretty cool. You know, that's a niche business for sure. I bet you're booked out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're already booking into 2023, um, but I kind of got into it because I'm a home brewer, brew my own beer. And so I built out, you know, fridges. I got a four tap fridge in my basement. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of learned some of those ins and outs from it. Um, and then we meet once a month with a bunch of other home brewers and just kind of 
started talking about it. I met a guy, you know, a couple of years back and he kind of gave me some pointers and ideas and yeah, finally all kind of came together this year. So we're kind of excited about it. It's been a labor of love, but uh, they're a lot of fun and everybody seems to love them. Yeah. Now can you sell your homebrew? Are you at that point or do you sell? No, no. So you're just renting the trailer uh, in Iowa. You need a liquor license to even resell like any kegs or anything like that. So I just simply, here's the trailer. You can go buy from any grocery store that sells kegs. You can go get those kegs and serve them out of the trailer. We'll keep them nice and cold for you. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Simplify it. Okay. Yep. Okay. No, no liability either. I imagine. Right. Or less, less liability. That's the name of the game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yep. And, and your website, you know, it, it does look like it's to attract contractors. Is that the way Definitely. it's designed? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my target uh, audience. Really. I've worked with tons of contractors, service businesses. Um, that's the niche that I kind of grew up in. My grandpa, you know, he was a contractor. My uncle works for him. They're contractors. You know, I just, and that's the niche I really grew up in at the previous firm I worked for. We worked with a lot of big contractors over there. So I understand the industry really well, but I'm also passionate about it. So I really, I, I find it really interesting. Um, I love the struggles of it. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, t- my key target audience, but also work with really any small businesses as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I know, we, you know, we want to talk about the mid, you know, the mid-year gut check, but, you know, while we're here on, on, on you and your business, like just run us through your top six services, you know, that way people know. I, it's funny, you know, as a tile contractor, I, I would show up to a job and, and I'd be doing the shower and then they'd be like, well, we, we're going to do our floors next. And I'd talk to them and they'd, and, and, you know, before you know it, it's like, they're already getting bids for the floor. And I'm like, I, what kind of floor do you want? Well, right, you want yeah. tile. And it's like, well, I do tile. Oh, you do tile floors. I was like, yeah, I do tile floors in tile showers and tile backsplashes. So you got to really be specific. So what do you do, Drake? Yeah. Yeah. So one of our big focuses is our bookkeeping, um, just standard, you know, a lot of smaller clients are going to be cash basis. If you're a little bit larger, you can look at things like AR and AP collections. Um, we help manage, you know, your depreciation for your equipment or help you decide if you take mileage, things like that. Um, we do advisory services, and this can look like anything from once a month meeting to fall tax planning. Um, a lot of my clients, this is where they see the most value in our relationship. Um, so at a, at a monthly advisory meeting, we might, one, just let's learn the financial statements. I can give them to you. But if you have no idea what they're saying, yeah. it's just paper sitting on your desk. So we might go over those. As you get a little bit more um, experience and understanding with that, this is where we start to set some KPIs or key performance indicators. And these can be as simple as, hey, our average job, you know, we charge X for, we want to hit X dollars in sales. Let's just do some quick math, right? We may have a 10 year, maybe we have 10 months of a year that we can really, that we really make good money. Let's just figure out how, how many, how much do we need to do a day, a week, you know, just little gut checks to go, are we on track or not? I have a, a used car dealer that I work with and they try to make a thousand dollars on every vehicle they sell. Mm -hmm. Well, he always was like, how many vehicles do I need to sell to make money? So what we found out is he averages about $22,000 a month and kind of fixed costs with labor and things like that. So he said, Hey, you got to sell 22 cars a month. And if you don't do that, you don't make any money. So just little basic metrics like that. The other thing that we do is tax planning in those meetings. Um, I like to be really proactive 
once January 1st hits, there's nothing you can do from a tax planning standpoint besides maybe decide what we're going to do with some depreciation. But other than that, we're set in stone. So we try to do it year round, be as proactive as we can. One, to just help manage your cash. Two, to, uh, you know, actually be proactive. Do we need to buy stuff? Do we need to prepay stuff? Do we, you know, what do we need to do to help maybe limit some of that burden? And then finally, the joke I always make is half of those meetings turn into therapy sessions a little bit. Hey, should I, do we pull the business? <laughs> Are we done? We're not making any money. Um, should I buy this new vehicle? Uh, should we buy this office space or rent it? You know, whatever question kind of comes up. Um, what's funny is, is, and I sit in these meetings every day. Um, it's lonely at the top when you're a business owner, man. It's there. You, you don't go talk to your competition about the struggles you're having. There's not, you know, unless there's a partner in the business, sometimes it can be tough to just voice some of your personal concerns. Like, Hey, are we making enough money to pay our rent or make our mortgage or make sure we're putting food on the table or we haven't put any money away for, you know, retirement, you know, what do we do for that kind of thing? And so these are just little topics that'll come up um, just whatever's kind of going on in your life. And they actually, it's kind of funny. They always seem to take up about half the meeting, but they're where you really can help people out and help kind of solve the current issues. So, and then, you know, obviously we have tax prep and tax planning. Um, The way we look at tax preparation is it's really a product of all the good decisions we've made throughout the year. So we typically don't do a ton of one-off tax returns. Um, We typically like to do tax returns specific for the clients that we do consulting or our bookkeeping with. Um, And the reason for that is, is we really have a good plan throughout the year because we don't want to make taxes scary. Taxes are scary enough on their own. And so what I always tell everybody is the worst part about taxes is not knowing. If if you make a bunch of money, you know, you're going to owe taxes, but you don't, you don't know how much you're going to owe. And so that's the scary part. So we try to take away some of those fears throughout the year. So we go, okay, I think we might owe 50 grand. Okay, well, let's strategically plan that out, how we're going to pay that in, right? So we don't have set cash flow or anything like that. So tax plan, or the tax return is just a product of everything else we've done. So those are our three major services. Um, they can kind of vary depending on the size of your business and some of your business's specific needs, but really it's bookkeeping, advisory, tax prep. Mm-hmm. And do you help companies set up and choose like a limited liability company or, or S corp, all that? Yep. Cool. Yeah. So that's really comes through probably in the tax planning phase, Got what it. type of entity selection we should go with. Um, you can change some of that as your company grows, but uh, we don't file any of that. Usually we'd say, Hey, use an attorney for that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like an LLC, we might help out with that, but, if you wanted to be set up as an S corp or a C corp or a partnership, typically it's better to go with an attorney for something like that, but we'll help advise on, okay, you are an LLC, but you can be taxed as a C corp an S corp on your personal return or a partnership. What's the best route to kind of go that makes sense for your business. Yeah. Well, those are all very valuable services that, you know, I get asked a lot, Drake, and, you know, I wish I had met you earlier in, you know, the last few years here. I've been doing this about four years, and I'm excited to be talking to you today. I just got off the phone with somebody who's in my mastermind, and he was, you know, it's it's going to be his first year in business. He's not, he's starting out slow. He has a full-time job, you know, and it's, he's starting to get some side work, but he wants to do everything 100% by the books. He's getting his yep. license in California, this and that. 
And I told him, look, like, you know, if, if it's your first year and it's a side business, you're probably going to be, ma- you know, does it sound like you're going to be making less than six figures or selling less than six figures in a year? You know, and I said, you know, first of all, you know, you really need to get this advice from an a- attorney yep. or and or your, you know, CPA bookkeeper. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, in my experience, you know, the first year of business, you know, LLC will, will get it covered, you know, until you yep. start making, you know, maybe decent amount over six figures a year, you know, your personal income. But those are all things that, you know, again, um, I leave it to the professionals, but based on my experience, that's kind yeah. of the way, way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. We have a spreadsheet that I typically walk people through because I, I've done this before where I start to talk, Oh, should you be an S corp or a partnership? And I can just see the eyes roll in the back of the head. And I'm a visual guy. I like to see mm. something. So I like to walk them through. I got a little spreadsheet. We'll kind of walk through and see why this makes sense and why we can save taxes here. Um, but to me, if you just start talking real deep tax stuff, I just know people's eyes roll in the back of their head. Um, but what I always tell people too, is you don't want to work with somebody who's not going to be there to help you understand this. You know, you, people hear about the 80, 20 rule all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like something like in your finances, in your business, um, you need to maybe take the first 10% to get it set up or to talk to somebody to get kind of things rolling. They should do the 80% if it's something you're not comfortable with, you know, all the filing, all the legwork, the actual bookkeeping and stuff like that. And then you should be there on the back end with the last 10% going, okay, let's actually review this. Let's do some learning of it. And let's make sure uh, we can use that information to help us make decisions. Because ultimately that's all this information is there for is to, for you to use to make good decisions with. And so if you're not looking at it, you're just shooting from the hip all the time. But that's kind of where I see the 80, 20 rule makes sense in this is it's good to outsource the bulk of it, but you still need to be on top of it. Yeah. You need to be eyes on the prize there, eyes on the money. Uh, I have yeah. a good friend, you know, Robert Davis, he runs a really nice business out of Oregon, you know, and he's got, you know, he, he hires professionals, bookkeepers, you know, CPAs, what happened is, well, he wasn't communicating. He didn't understand, you know, the numbers and this and that. And, and turns out, and, and I guess I shouldn't speak too freely here because I, I'm, you know, he's, he related it on the podcast, you know, six, six, eight months ago, but, yep. um, you know, it was something to the effect of they weren't actually turning in his taxes for him or they just, you know, mangled them all up. And, you know, he just, he just took it for granted that everything was being done correctly and it wasn't, and it left him yep. in a bad jam and over Christmas with, you know, trying to buy a new vehicle and all this crazy stuff. But, um, but yeah, he, uh, that was a rough one. You know, that's a lesson. And I really like the fact that this is the way you do business is you teach, you teach the, you, you know, your clients, Hey, here's how, here's what these numbers mean. Um, yep. another friend of mine, Adam Kofer, he's been doing that since day one and he understands numbers just about as good as anybody because he does regular, um, you know, uh, coaching to just yep. look over the numbers with the bookkeeper. And, and then, like you said, um, what are they? KPAs? K- KPIs. KPIs. Key performance indicators. Yeah. Key performance indicators. Yeah. That way you can check your own health, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Little gut checks throughout, you know, weekly or monthly, whatever it is. Um, and I think a lot of people like to overcomplicate business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it can be really, really easy things. Um, that just look really confusing or we can make, you know, a mountain out of a molehill with some of those things. And if we can keep stuff really easy and digestible, 
that's where we can use it to make decisions. But if we have to sit there and ponder over something for hours and hours, it doesn't do us a lot of good. You know, it's just time wasted and where we could be doing other things more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, speaking of gut checks, you know, we did want to cover that, you know, mid-year gut check here, July. What should my audience, you know, small tile contractor business owners be aware of and be thinking of here as we get into really, I mean, they're going to be hearing this in August probably. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So one of the things we really like to focus on is, you know, what, what were your goals, right? If you, if you think back to January, when you, when everybody's like happy about goal setting and you're thinking about what's the next year going to look like, where are you at with your goals, right? Like, do you, have you even tracked them or looked at them since, you know, the end of January or maybe even the beginning of January? Like, let's, let's put this in example form. If you wanted to do a million dollars in sales, first of all, do you even have financials that'll tell you where you're at? Have you done 500,000 in sales, right? Or, you know, it could be some seasonality. Maybe you only expect them to do 400 or 300, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. But know where you're at from a sales perspective. So if you're, first of all, if you're not looking at your numbers, you're completely shooting from the hip and you have no idea where your goals are at. So that's the first thing. If you don't have numbers, go get with a bookkeeper, somebody to start being able to see them now we can track where our goals are at. Again, we're, we're trying to simplify things and make it easy. So if your goal is a million bucks in sales, okay, we're at 500. We're halfway through the year. We're on track. Now, now we go, okay, well, that's great. We have $500,000 in sales. We're meeting our goal. What does that look like for the rest of the year? Can we do another 500,000 in sales to hit that goal? Or are we off track? Maybe our seasonality, maybe we slow way down and by October, what are we going to do in November and December to hit some of those metrics? So just breaking stuff down to a really basic level can be a great way. Secondly, I know a lot of contractors might have loans or lines of credit that are sitting out there. Start looking at, okay, what are our plans to maybe pay some of this off before year end? Or what do we have for cash needs in the business, right? So if you're growing, um, sometimes you'll see a lot of people be pretty heavy on their lines or their credit cards or, what are those cash needs before the end of the year? Because they could be multiple things. If we haven't paid estimated taxes, might need to start thinking about doing that. Our next tax payment, I believe is April or uh, sorry, September 15th. And then January 15th or something like 15th, let's call it. Um, that's when you're, if you haven't made any estimates, they need to be due before then, or you're going to have a big uh, cash bill come April. Um, so, or maybe, Hey, we've been working hard all year long our equipment's starting to break down. Do we need to start looking at new equipment that we need to buy, right? Um, So there's going to be some cash needs potentially for that. Or do we have good numbers if we have to go to the bank and they say, hey, we want to see your financials. Do you have something to be able to present to your banker and say, this is where we're at for the year, right? So if you do have equipment needs, that's another thing to start thinking about. Do we have money? Do we have financials to show a banker? Um, And then finally, cash needs. I mean, if we think about if there is a lull in the season at all, do we have cash to kind of spread over maybe some slow times of the year, right? When business isn't as hot. Um, so thinking about potentially some downturns, you know, maybe around December and January, if there is some slowdown at all, uh, do we need to prepare for some of that um, and have cash reserves so we can still take some money home and eat or pay employees if they're on downtime or, or whatever it is, just the general operating expenses of the business. And we don't have to make this super complicated. You know, it can be as simple as, okay, on average, we spend 10,000 bucks a month in overhead. Okay. If we're going to be slow, 
we need 10,000 bucks or 20,000 bucks for two months, right? Mm-hmm. We typically have, we want to buy a new truck. It's going to be 50 grand. Okay. Do we, now we add these up. So now we got 50 plus 20, we got 70. Okay. Well, we made some decent money this year. Awesome. We might have a $50,000 tax bill. Boom. There's another 50 grand. Now we just said, okay, we got 120,000 bucks that we need before the year end. If we take some time and think about that now, mm-hmm. we can do something about it before year end, right? But if we start to think about that in January, now all of a sudden you owe 50 grand in April, you still need to buy a new truck and you're in your slow time of year, that can kill you. So I like to do these mid-year gut checks because let's put a little reality to what does the next six months to a year look like because our business has cash needs. If we're not proactive in our businesses, um, we're falling behind. Our technology today is allowing us to be this proactive. Um, and if you're not being proactive, you're falling behind. Yeah. So those are the big pieces. Um, you know, like I said too earlier, we were talking about just some tax planning. Being proactive now, like let's say you've made, you know, two hundred thousand dollars in income through this point in the year. Sit down with somebody and go, hey let's figure out what do we think we're going to make between now and the end of the year. We're going to make another hundred thousand, another 200,000. We're going to lose 50 grand, whatever it is. We can put together what are our cash needs. And then we can start being um, where we can make some decisions on, well, maybe we do need to buy a truck. Maybe we do need to buy a bunch of materials for next year. Maybe we prepay insurance for the year to help get some tax savings that way. But if you don't have that information, it's time to get it because without, without it, we can't be proactive and make good decisions. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. And you know, it's like you said, it's some of the simpler things yet they're necessary. If you don't, if you don't keep your eye on them, you know, things can get really rocky at the end of the year or the beginning of next year. Um, so yeah. I like, I like that approach, Drake. I really do. And, and what I've seen a lot in the contractor world is we get super, super busy all summer long and this stuff falls by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, what I always tell everybody is, you know, if you're trying to, you know, be the manager of the business or get out of the, get out of doing the day to day activity, these are the things you need to start putting some effort into, right? Mm-hmm. Because these are the things that actually grow your business. When I talk to guys all the time, I ask them, what are you worth an hour, right? A lot of people bill out on an hourly rate or I need to get so much a day. And a lot of guys say, well, I'm, you know, I'm worth a hundred bucks an hour. And I say, you're probably more worth like, 500 to a thousand an hour. And so you need to be doing 500 to a thousand an hour tasks. And those are not installing tile or maybe even managing a crew. They're probably even larger than that. Yeah. Uh, one of the CEOs or one of the top executives at Amazon, one of, they said that if they make one or two decisions a day, that's a big good day for them sure. because their decisions are so weighty and large, right? So if it's even just one thing, they made a decision on one thing, that's where their time was best spent. It's not looking at reports or it's not managing a whole, you know, three crews that are out there. It's making big decisions for your business. And if we're treating this as an actual business, as an investment, we need to be acting like our business is an investment and making the big weighty decisions. I love it that, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because as a tile installer, you know, we make money, you know, we come up in the trade, whether it's tile or cabinets or painting or whatever, if you're working with your hands, the physical action 
makes you money. And, and, yeah. and then, you know, if we do it, we do it for our whole apprentice, you know, four, 10 years, whatever we yep. go out on our own and it's still the physical action of setting tile that makes you money. It's really hard for a contractor to separate that once they want to expand and have, you know, more bodies in the field, more employees, they need to stop installing tile because that is now a 30 to maybe, um, let's just, let's call it a $30 an hour position. Yep. Yep. You know, let's just call it 30, you know, it's going to be plus or minus, but let's just call it 30. Well, as a business owner, you know, if you can find somebody to do it for 30, that does it, you know, um, somewhere close to where you would do it yourself, you know, as far as quality, um, th- that's good. You need to now think about the hundred dollar. And like you said, the 200, the 500, the thousand dollar an hour task. Yeah. What are those? You know, what are those? I mean, selling yourself to a, a, a client that's a little bit, you know, uh, the next level up, you know, yep. selling yourself to a builder who, who builds six homes a year, big homes, you know, yep. selling yourself to other partners in your industry, you know, making the decisions. What are, what are our, what is our brand going to look like? You know, who's going to, you know, so you've got to get yourself off the knee, off your knees, off the business if you want to expand. I mean, there's really just no way around it. Um, and I see it all the time, Drake. I mean, guys, business owners will be out there with their men in the field and they'll have 12 employees, 11 of them, you know, are also installing tile or apprentices. Yep. Not one employee is on the books, in the office, on the phone, not even the owner, not even right. the business owner. And it's, it's yep. ludicrous. It's ludicrous. <laughs> Yeah. And, and one thing I always tell people too, is there's a little bit of a, of a reality check that go like, it's like, you can say that it's easy, but in mm-hmm. practice, it's not as easy to just say, you know, get out of the house, quit installing the tile. Right. right. Like it's not there's steps that come with that. Yeah. Um, I was actually just on a, on a call today um, with a bunch of clients that I help coach for. And we were talking about this exact same thing. And probably the reality is, is let's say you're a one man operation right now, or even two to three, right. Where you're still, you know, in the field daily doing the actual work. Um, the reality is your first step is if you don't have any employees is hiring somebody, right? So now you have a helping hand that you're training or an apprentice that you're with. Now you got to get them up to speed where they can start doing things. So you go to a job, you check in on them. Now you go out to your truck for a while, do some invo- estimates or whatever, come back in and make sure, you know, shake the customer's hand or whatever it is, make sure they've done the job up to, you know, adequate standards of where it's supposed to be. Right. The next step from that is maybe you just show up at the job with the employee, right. And you get them all set up and get them ready to roll. Right. And it just kind of builds from that. But the sucky part is as you're growing like that is now you are in charge of doing all the initial training plus doing some of the day to day, getting additional work because now you have an additional mouth to feed in your business Um, and so that one to two is the hardest step you're ever going to take in your business. And then two to three employees is a little bit easier and it just gets easier and easier as you grow up and build some of those systems and processes. But again, these are, we want to have problems inside of our business, right? Like you, you don't just walk into a gym and start curling 40 pound weights. You walk into a gym and you start with tens and then you move up to 15s and then to twenties and then to 25s, right? You, you kind of scale up that way. And same with having problems. You're creating problems inside of your business that ultimately are going to have big payoffs in the future. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the bigger the problem, you know, the the bigger the expert you need, you know, the more knowledge you need, which yep. equals more money, you know. And as the business owner, you know, that's that's your position that you put yourself in. And and I don't mean, you know, and I, I, I got enthusiastic about it earlier, but, you know, by all means, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down because the reality is it is very hard to make those transitions. Totally. Um, what, but the rewards are so beneficial. Right. Right. You know, now we have a lot of people it's, we have a lot of, I, I call them, you know, mantras in the trade um, one of them is, you know, and they're, you know, negative mantras. And one of them is, well, I can't charge that in my area, you know, things of this nature, right? Head trash, you know, however you want to call it. But, um, there are things that are passed down contractor to contractor that aren't necessarily true. One of them on this topic of employees is I started small. I got an employee or two. I made some really good money. I went up to six employees. I lost a bunch of money. Now I'm back down to two. I've never been happier. So we have a lot of two-man, one- and two-man, three-man operations in the tile industry. Um, without knowing anything more than I told you, what mm-hmm. do you think is happening there at that six, six, eight-person level to where they start losing so much money? Yeah, it's probably they haven't been able to take that full step back as a business owner you know, where they are not doing the day to day, you know, and it's a little bit of an ego death. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking about this earlier uh, with somebody, I hired a, a gal, she's like my office manager and she does all my advertising mm-hmm. um, schedules stuff for me. You know, she works like 15 hours a week, nothing too crazy, but you know, helps out with little things that are just, I shouldn't be working on. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and at first when I hired her, I was reviewing every Facebook post she put out I was watching her email for what she was sending to people. And then, you know, a weekend I went, huh, she's a lot better at putting Facebook posts out than I am. Why the heck am I watching her like a hawk? Right. I gave her, you know, some ideas of what she had to do. And so you have this ego death where you're like, huh, somebody is actually better at this than I am. Right. And it's like this epiphany that hits you and you're like, man, why didn't I do this 10 months ago? You know, somebody is better at this than I am. And what it might be is, um, you know, for somebody that has a crew of six or seven, they still want to be on the jobs every day because they don't trust their employees to do it really well. Mm-hmm. And so what happens then is they're not out bidding enough jobs. They're not mm-hmm. meeting with enough people. You know, I, I find it kind of funny, like you can learn and grow your business so substantially by going to networking events and meeting the right people. And if you are in the business every day doing whatever it is that you're doing, tile, painting, whatever it is, right? Whatever trade, but you're not. And once you grow to that size and you're not out meeting different people, I mean, it might just be, Hey, you have to go have drinks with the builder. It doesn't sound like part of work, but it totally is part of what you should be doing. Your workday might be a little bit more different, right? But Mm -hmm. it's getting over that step of like, Hey, I need to be stepped away from the daily task. My job now is managing the business. And that can be a really difficult shift from somebody that grew up doing the trade and they're mm-hmm. really, really good at the trade and they're passionate about what they do. You know, they have a lot of pride in their work. Stepping away from that sometimes can be really difficult. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think that's what it is. And, and it's a, uh, it's obviously there's more complications to it than that. You know, I think, it's, it's, I think it's like a snowball effect, you know, I mean, 
you, you know, you don't really charge enough from the beginning is one of the problems. And then you can't pay good help. So you end up with kind of like, okay, help, but they definitely need to be watched, you know, and, yep. and then it just gets worse and worse. Um, and I think one thing leads to another, but one thing that would help is knowing your numbers and, and you talked Completely. about it, you know, the full circle. Um, well, listen, Drake, I want to be, you know, respectful of your time. And we also don't want too many, uh, glossy eyes out there, <laughs> but <laughs> no, uh, appreciate I did, did want to circle back to one thing and then I'll let you go. You were mentioning, um, unless you had something else on your mind, but you were mentioning, um, we were talking about the corporations, like how do you mm-hmm. choose a corporation? You said you have like a spreadsheet. Is yep. that something people can download or, or something like that off your, off your website? It's not currently on my website. Typically, you know, in a service-based business, you're either going to be taxed on your personal return or you're going to be an S corp, mm-hmm. right? Those are, it's an LLC taxed on your personal return, or you file a separate S corp tax return to break it is make it as simple as possible. The tax benefits of being an S corp are only realized when you're probably doing $75,000 in profit or greater. Um, before that, it probably isn't worth the extra filing costs and payroll that's associated with it. Unless you have a bunch of guys that are working for you, just don't have a super profitable company, but it's probably not worth stepping up to an S corp until you're doing at least 75,000 in profit. That's typically kind of your cutoff number where the math starts to make sense because what you do is essentially there, the, the business doesn't change. It just changes how you're, uh, how it's reported on a tax return, but you add a tax return uh, filing fee and you add payroll, uh, costs on a monthly basis adds, you know, between two and three or 4,000 bucks to your total costs for the year. And by about 75,000 is where your tax savings kind of start to hit about 4,000. And that's where they start to make sense to file it as an S corp where you're going to get some benefit back. So typically you don't see partnerships in, in, in uh, like actual trade businesses. You almost never see C corps. They are the worst, um, type of entity, unless you're like Walmart, then they make sense. But for, you know, a general operating company, you're going to see almost exclusively S corps. Partnerships are more reserved for like real estate. They're just taxed better that way. So I see, I see. Nice. But yeah, I can send that to you if you'd like to attach it or have it available for people. It's really basic and just kind of walks through um, the same company um, but just split out differently so you can see the differences. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll include a link or whatever to in this, uh, in these show notes here in this podcast and on YouTube. And then sure. where can people, what's the easiest way I have your, your, I mean, your website here, uh, performance financial LLC.com. Is that the best way people can get a hold of you? Yeah, that or on Facebook. We're really active on our Facebook page and Instagram. You can reach out and message us on their performance financial LLC. Um, typically we post a lot of just kind of quick hitter content every day just to give you some tax tips or some just business advisory tips. So go ahead and check us out. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see some of that. And if you guys have questions or, you know, want to walk through a scenario inside of your business, send us an email, um, reach out on our contact page on our website or message us through Facebook or Instagram. We can get back to you really quick that way. So very nice. I'll, I'll put those links, the website, and then the Facebook and Instagram link in Perfect. these show notes for you, Drake, and, and for you, Tile Friends. Um, with that, I think I'll, I'll say goodbye and, and, and cut this one off here. It's a good spot. 
Um, I appreciate all the information you share, Drake. I know a lot of people will be, you know, uh, benefiting from this and hopefully reaching out to you if they have questions. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. And, uh, Luke, this has been a lot of fun, man. I hope we can do it again. Sounds good, Drake. All right, Tile friends, you know what time it is. It's that time again. Uh, stay positive out there. There's a lot of negativity out there. Uh, keep your eyes on your business and your numbers and stay positive. And above all else, please, please, please stay profitable, Tile friends. All right, over and out. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.